with all praise, glory, and honor in our hearts. We thank you, God, for this day that we know our Savior was the day we're coming today to acknowledge the birth of our Lord and Savior. And it's because of him that we can stand before you, God. We thank you for what is about to happen today. We thank you for what's going to happen this week. And we thank you for ending 2018, heading towards a great and victorious 2019. We love you and we bless you. For it is in your son, Jesus Christ's name, that we do pray and believe. Amen. Amen, everybody. Uh, Wakanda forever, right? <laughs> amen, amen. Uh, it is so good to be here in the house of God on a uh, Sunday before Christmas and be in the presence of the church, road to Damascus, to be seen by people. I do not take it lightly that life could be taken out in the twinkling of an eye. I do not take it for granted that on any given morning we may not wake up. And I do not take for granted that when we drive the roads of California that we may or may not have problems. But God has allowed us to stay and see another day. And for that, I am grateful. There we go. All right. Uh, so as we end our series about the covenant God, the promise keeper, we got our new projector, so we'll have no more of this, uh, everybody missing out on anything. Uh, we end this series entering the covenant of God and remembering uh, everything that we talked about. We're not going to go into an extensive review, but... Uh, the, the scripture we used to cover the series was Numbers 23:19. The message translation said, God is not a man when given to lies, and not a son of man changing his mind. Does he speak and not do what he says? Does he promise and not come through? Uh, and so as you all remember, we have been talking about the covenant God and how he does things and makes a way for us, and uh, he performs miracles and he is a promise keeper. Uh, I wanted to add another verse to kind of cap off uh, this, this series, the second Samuel 7:28 from the New King James Version. And it says, Oh now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true, and you have promised this goodness to your servant. And, and, and Samuel is saying that God is true to his words, and that's what we talked about this entire month and or through this entire series, that God is indeed true. To his word. Uh, men and women, uh, anybody will tell you uh, anything you want to hear, uh, but people lie. Sometimes we, we say things with the best intentions on doing things a certain way, uh, but due to who we are, uh, sometimes that doesn't happen. Uh, one of the things we discovered over the course of this series is that God of covenant keeps his promises because he's a way maker, a miracle worker, and a promise keeper. And I do realize that as we went through this series, we, we gave a definition of a blessing and a miracle and the difference between a blessing and a miracle, uh, which in some cases applies. But uh, a lot of times that when you are in the need of a blessing, uh, or let me set the stage. We talked about the blessing is just simply uh, humans responding or God using humans 
to uh, affect his mission on earth. And a miracle is the supernatural divine intervention into human affairs without the use of anybody being human. Uh, and we talked about the fact that uh, while all miracles are blessings, not all blessings are miracles. And I want to uh, put that to the side for a minute because if you are in the need of a blessing, that God uses the human agency to affect change, it may only be a blessing by definition, but it may be a miracle to you. See, uh, you, you missed that. See, if you're someplace at a point in your life that you are in need of a blessing from God, and according to the definition that the blessings are God using human agency to affect change, as opposed to a miracle where God supernaturally intervenes in human affairs. But when all it takes is for somebody to say, hey, if you're down on your luck, or I feel that you need, or God told me that I should give you $1,000, and that $1,000 is going to pay your rent that month, uh, you may not just see it as a blessing. That is a miracle because that was something you need. All right. Albert Einstein had a saying, there are only two ways to live your life. One is if nothing is a miracle. The other is if everything is. There are only two ways to live your life. One is as if nothing is a miracle. The other is as everything is. This is Albert Einstein, the man who uh, came up with the theory of relativity. He's a, uh, he, he created the basis for which Stephen Hawking could then expand on the theory of relativity and go into the general theory of relativity, which eventually pointed back to what we talked about a few weeks ago, that time and space had a beginning. And that there was, as, he, as Stephen Hawking said, a causal agent outside of this time and space that started time and space. He didn't want to call him God, but uh, we know what it was. Uh, we, we, we as people, we, we, we are so worried looking for Red Sea moments that we forget about the miracles that take place every day. We forget about the miracles that take place every second. Uh, uh, see, if you look at the human body, it is an engineering marvel designed perfectly for the purpose of getting up to move. Every piece of our body has a purpose. We, we talk about what things that we don't need or what doesn't serve anything, and you wonder like the foot and the pinky toe, and what's the purpose of the pinky toe, and then everybody becomes acutely aware of the purpose of the pinky toe when you jam it in the middle of the night. The fact that when you, if you break your big toe that it throws off your balance is such a small piece of your entire body, but if that toe is messed up, your balance, the way you move, is completely flawed. Uh, I, everybody knows I've been talking about how my knees have been bad, and, and, and I went to the doctor this week, and they told me that, yeah, well, it's arthritis. So you think, arthritis? I'm still too cool to be somebody's grandfather. I'm sure not too cool to have arthritis. But the pain that was in my knees, the swelling that existed, that every morning you wake up, you got to ease onto your feet because every step you can feel pain shooting through your body, to go and have the doctor say, just take it a leave. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the swelling goes away and my knees feel good again. And I'm like, boy, I sure do feel like I'm ready to get out here and step. <laughs> to me, that was a miracle. 
because 200 years ago, somebody in that same condition just had to deal with it. But do we ever think about swallowing? It says that we swallow at least once every minute. 900 times a day we swallow. If you don't swallow, you don't live. But we never give a second thought that swallowing may be a miracle. What about breathing? Talk to an asthmatic that can't get the air in their lungs. Talk to a mother that has to sit there in the emergency room wondering if the child is going to make it because they can't breathe. Breathing 16 times a minute, 960 times an hour, 23,040 times a day, 8,409,600 breaths a year, 672,768,000,000 breaths we take in a typical lifespan. We do this without thinking. What about your heartbeat? Anybody, do we even consider the fact of our heartbeat beating every second? 80 beats per minute, 4,800 beats an hour, 115,000 beats a day, 42 million times a year, our heart beats. We are so worried looking for Red Sea moments. We're missing the miracle of every moment of life that we have. That God has blessed us with something that we call life. And if you look at, uh, what was it, Dr. Hugh Ross, the one I kept talking about every week that talked about science continues to reveal God. And if you think of the complexity of the body, that when we take in air, that it is designed specifically to filter out the stuff we don't need just so the air can get into our body go through everything down into our lungs and into the microfibers of these blood vessels that if they were spread out would it circumnavigate the earth to spread to every cell and organ in our body the air that we need to survive we talk about the DNA of Rose Damascus Church and what it is that we do and what we stand for the food drives that we provide to the homeless every month. Do we see that as a miracle? But I guarantee you the people who are on the receiving end of a meal they would never have had don't just see it as a blessing, it is a miracle. Thank God I've never been at the place where I had to sit around and go to bed hungry and not know if I'm going to have food tomorrow or next week or think about the only thing I have to decide what is it am I going to cook? Thank you, God. Yeah. Last week when we did uh, Imagine If these were some of the people who were lined up down the street to come in and get food, hygiene products and toys for kids. If you are a child not able to have a Christmas gift or a parent that doesn't have the money that we got either a gift or we're paying the light bill. This is the only way that my child is going to have a Christmas. You would probably see that as a miracle. I see it as a miracle that the picture on the left, we can get that many people that would get up on a Saturday morning and sacrifice their time to serve other people. 
They gave of themselves to say something is bigger than me and got up to serve these people. This lady's there, those are part of the bikes that Road to Damascus provided. 35 bikes we gave away, 20 of them came from Road to Damascus. I guarantee you, them kids, if you could have been there and see the excitement of these kids when they got their, their raffle ticket call to come up and get this bike, that was a miracle. Man volunteering, putting the uh, bikes together, the people volunteering in the kitchen, handing out the hygiene packets to the people, uh, and more of the, the, I think the batteries are low in this thing. Yeah, we need some AAA batteries for this. Uh, and all the people having a meal that they would normally not be able to have. God of covenant, what we've been talking about. The covenant God who made promises to us. As human beings, the closest thing that we can understand on the seriousness of a covenant is the covenant between a man and wife. The think about yourselves as promises that you may have made. That's not on the screen, that's something else. Don't look at it trying to figure out what I'm talking about. Promises that we make to people, to each other. Promises we make to, to friends and family. Promises that we make to our spouses, only two. The, the promise that we stand before uh, in church and say that I promise to love, honor, and cherish this person till death do us part. And yet, how many marriages end in divorce? How many times have people showed up in court because they didn't honor their covenant between the spouses? What is the biggest promise that you ever made that you never fulfilled? How many people have been let down because they took you at your word and you failed them? Bible talks about a Bible of the covenant between a husband and wife is supposed to be symbolic between the covenant between Christ and the church. Complete and total sacrifice, unselfish, Unconditional love for another, regardless of how bad they've been. Deshaun and I, what were we talking about just the, were you just, was it last night or today, about this is how we do God or this is what God expects? About. She don't remember. I can't remember. She can't remember. So, but the bottom line is, 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 is we, we were, we're dealing with this issue, the expectations we have for each other. But then don't think this is not important for God to have the same expectation for us. See, this, this now, an article that was written in Time magazine from the 24th, uh, uh, the 24th of December, Christmas Eve, 1956. It says the old legend is that there are 30,000 promises in the Bible. According to the school teacher Everett Storms of Kitchener, Ontario, a member of Canada's United Missionary Church, he slowed down uh, uh, enough of his 27th reading of the Bible. He had read the Bible through 27 times, and he decided to tally up all the promises, which took him a year and a half. And he came up with 7,487 promises by God to man, two by God the Father to God the Son, 991 by one man to another, 290 by man to God. Wow. Maybe it's this room. 
28 promises were made by angels, one by man to an angel, and two were made by an evil spirit to the Lord. Satan made nine, which was a grand total of 8,810 promises in the Bible. So even though it's not 30,000, 8,000 promises is still substantial. Babe, I'm going to have to put you to work. <laughs> you need to move a little faster, sweetie. <laughs> just, just push the down arrow when I tell you to. 85% of the promises in the Bible are from God to man. 85%, all the stuff that we, we can read in the Bible and all the promises that go back and forth between God, us and God and God and everything else, it still comes down to the majority of the promises made to us or made were God to us. Uh, so go ahead, babe. And Isaiah 55, 11 says, So my word be that goes from my mouth. This is the New King James Version. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing which I sent it. And the voice translation, it says, So it is, when I declare something, my word will go out and not return to me empty, but it will do what I want it. It will accomplish what I determined. When he makes a promise, his word is coming true. And he's telling us in this that regardless of what you think the world is and regardless what happens with, with, uh, in the world, when my word goes forth, it's going to do what I tell it to do. So if I tell you, you are going to be the head and not the tail, it's coming true. If I tell you that if you believe in me, you will not perish but have everlasting life, that is what's going to happen. But Christmas... We call it December 25th. We understand nobody knows the day that Jesus Christ was born. Nobody knows what time of the year it is that he was born. We have taken this date because somewhere along the line in history, Constantine, in his effort to Christianize the rest of the world, decided to let all the pagan things people were doing and blend it together with this religion that he found life in to get them to accept it. So this time of year when we're coming into the winter solstice and, and certain cultures had the thing with Saturna and others had the Yule, we just kind of blended it together, an amalgamation of faiths into this one thing. And somewhere along the line, Christians took it and just said, we're going to call this Christmas. Christ Mass. But we know what's supposed to be joyous, what's supposed to be the fulfillment of a promise has become commercialized, it has become stressful, uh, it has become a time that we have to even think about, are we going to talk to this family member we haven't spoken to in years? Forgetting the promise of God. But go ahead, babe. So our scripture today, Matthew 1, verse 20 through 24, it says in verse 20, but while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you, Mary, your wife, for with that which conceived in her is the Holy Spirit. If you remember, the angel had already appeared to Mary and told her she would con conceive a son and she was betrothed, supposed to be married to Joseph, and she ends up pregnant. Then it said the angel's telling Joseph, don't be afraid 
Don't be afraid to take this woman who's now scandalized the town. Don't be afraid to take her for your wife because what she has is not pregnant by some guy on the street. This is a gift from the Holy Spirit. And verse 21, and she will bring forth the son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Thank you, Lord. Next slide, sweet. Verse 22, so all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took him, his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. Next slide. There. And so today we're going to deal with the theme, the promise of Christmas. The promise of Christmas. Uh, we, we again talked about how Christmas has been kind of amalgamized with a bunch of other things. Next slide, sweetie. Uh, but this was prophesied years before, hundreds of years before the birth of Christ. It was prophesied what was supposed to happen. We hear to see the words in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, uh, that says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He is promising hundreds of years before the birth of Christ this is what's going to happen. Next slide. Then. In Micah chapter 5 verse 2, he's telling where it's coming from. But you, Bethlehem, uh, Ephratath, though you are little among thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be the ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. He who I am sending in Bethlehem, the lowest of the tribes of Judah, and all the lowest of the tribes of Israel, that from that tribe will come forth the ruler whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. Not yet, I'll tell you when. <laughs> Got our hand on the trigger. <laughs> Hundreds of years before the birth of Christ, God has promised, this is what's going to happen. This is what I'm going to give you. And we're, we're struggling to this day of dealing with what Christmas really means. When people have made movies and we didn't see people talking about it. The meaning, the true meaning of Christmas. Yeah. And, and, and we, the Bible is very clear what the true meaning of Christmas is. It is about the birth of Jesus Christ. Right. The, the, the song I was singing this morning, the old hymn, uh, O Holy Night. O Holy Night, night that Christ was born. This is the true meaning of Christmas. What, what was the purpose of God sending a part of himself here to be with us? A bunch of wretched, dirty rags, sinners. Not for us to build or put big trees in our house and to decorate them with, with bulbs and lights and to put the pretty lights and have our candy cane lanes and neighborhoods. That is not the purpose and the meaning of Christmas. But he promised that he would do this and he would send this. Now you can go forward. So we're going to look at what are the promises of Christmas? What are the promises that God has made us through the birth of Jesus Christ? First promise is the promise of nearness. You see, we understand that in this time or prior to the birth of Jesus Christ, 
We could not come near to God. The God was spirit resided in the tabernacle, and the only way we can come anywhere near the close of the presence of God was when the priest went into the temple. The priests were the ones that, that stood in the gap and, and were between us and God. We were not close to God. We, we had prophets who did, spoke to God and the prophets spoke to the people. We didn't talk to God, but God, by sending Jesus, is promising near us. Nearness. Matthew 1.23, it says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and we shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. The nearness of the promise that no longer will you have a veil separating me and you. No longer will you have a go-between between sinful men and anybody else. It is you with me. Emmanuel. He will, his name will be Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Go to Zephaniah. Zephaniah 3.17 in the voice translation says, The eternal, your God, is standing right here among you. The nearness is what he's promising. Your eternal God is standing right here among you, and he is the champion who will rescue you. He will joyfully celebrate over you. He will rest in his love for you. He will joyfully sing of you like a new husband. And that covenant relationship between a husband and wife, he is promising nearness that where we are, that he will be right there with us, and he will be our champion, that when we're going through things, he will rescue us. This entire series, when we're looking at what these miracles that we're expecting, he's saying, I'm with you. I'm among you. This is the purpose of Christmas, and I'm here with you. Nothing will separate us. Think, didn't Paul say, what will separate us from the love of God? Neither death nor life. Nothing will separate us from the love of God. Second promise that he gives us through the birth of Jesus Christ is the promise of forgiveness. The promise of forgiveness. See, we, we at that time, they had to go to the temple at certain times of the year, buying their little doves and the animals and the animals without blemish to sacrifice, to atone for their sins. But we have a promise of forgiveness and we see in verse 21 of Matthew chapter 1 and she will bring forth the son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And that his people, the closeness, the nearness, but he's given us forgiveness because he will save us from our sins. That is good news that we know that God has given us this promise. He's not given us a microwave oven, a tool set, uh, a Tiffany bracelet, necklace, or anything else, the gold ring, uh, or any brand new clothes, new hat, whatever it is that we want. He's given us forgiveness. Uh, next slide. John 3.17 said, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but, through the, uh, but that the world through him might be saved. The purpose and the true meaning of Christmas has got nothing to do with toys and the food that we're going to eat and, and pass this on to, uh, uh, to my homegirl, Sister Jasmine. Even the tea cakes. <laughs> it's not about the tea cakes. It is about this forgiveness that Christ is offering. Uh, and the, another promise that we get from this is the promise of love. The promise of love. 
We know the Bible verse. Everybody in the world knows it almost. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This was a promise of love. The dedication of a God to his people that says I love you so much I'm going to take the best part of me and give it to you. Even though you don't deserve it even though you're not worthy, even though you may turn your back on it, I'm still going to give it to you unconditionally that you might have everlasting life. So Christmas morning, we'll wake up. I won't have kids jumping on me anymore, but remembering those times of the little kids and, and you guys, uh, the Jacksons have little Bailey who over the years is going to get to the more aware of what Christmas is and she's going to be all excited and everybody's going to be excited at the gifts we bring but make sure Bailey also understands that Christmas is not just about the toys and we remember I remember with excitement that I couldn't sleep, I'd pretend to be sleep waiting for my parents to go to bed so me and my brother could get up and go sneak in the living room and see what wasn't wrapped. Was there a bike in the living room? Skateboard? Not thinking about the sacrifices that they had to make in order to provide Christmas gifts for us. Not understanding that Christmas was not about those gifts under the tree, that it was about something bigger. Even people who are depressed this time of year have forgotten and lost the meaning of what Christmas is supposed to be about. Next slide. In Jeremiah 31.3, the Lord has appeared of, me, of old to me saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. There's God speaking to us directly. I have loved you with an everlasting love. My gift to you is my son, the best of me, the fulfillment of a promise, the miracle, the greatest miracle that we could ever have, that God would leave heaven, leave his father to come and dwell among us. We can't even stand to be around us. You go someplace, I don't want to, you, and you know how we are. We don't want to see if there's too many black people. There's too many black folks there. I don't want to be there. My cousin. <laughs> Next slide, Sean. You're actually done after that one. <laughs> Good job, Sean. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, Christmas, the promise. Christmas. When we go through when we go through what it is that we go through as human beings struggling to find meaning in what life is about forgetting the fact that God has promised to be near us that God has promised forgiveness and that God has promised love. We lost the miracle. Christmas itself is a miracle. 
The birth of Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of a promise from God to man. Part of that 85% of the promises of the Bible, promise of God to man, that we are somehow deemed worthy in his sight. I want to be with you. I want to forgive you. And I want to love you. The promise of Christmas. I know as a child, it would get excited when you think you're getting something special. Or you waited all year because mom and dad promised, I'm going to do this or get you that. The promises we make to spouses, we're already telling them, this is what I want for Christmas. So they do what it is that we need or ask because they want to get us this gift. And we miss the whole thing. We miss the people who need God. They need to feel his presence. They need to feel the forgiveness. They need to feel the love. We need to feel all these things. And God has promised those. But because we're looking for a parting of the Red Seas, we're missing the miracles that God is providing for us every second of our life. Every breath we take is a miracle of God. Every step we make is a miracle of God. Actually, you're ready to sing, sting. I just realized that. Every step you take, every breath you take, I'll be watching you. I'm not watching anybody. But God has given us all these things. It's there for us if we just acknowledge it. Why would God give us a Red Sea moment if we can't even appreciate taking a breath? You can't take a swallow and think that is a gift from God, but yet you expect him to come and touch and all your problems go away. Every day, morning by morning, new mercies we see. And it's all because of his grace. Grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you. We praise you. We give your name glory and honor. Lord, we do not take it lightly that so many years ago, you decided that the only way that this sinful nation could be redeemed was to send the best part of you. So you chose a, a worthy vessel, a woman that you thought was worthy of carrying your precious seed, and she bore a son. In spite of the criticism and the judgment of the community and the church folks, she gave forth a son, and she called his name Jesus. And you said in your word that his birth would save his people from their sins. And so we take, do not take it lightly, God, that in this season that we acknowledge the birth of our Savior, that he was sent for a purpose, the purpose to pay a price that he did not owe, that he willingly left your presence to come and dwell amongst sinners, amongst thieves, prostitutes, pimps, and pedophiles, liars, adulterers, and thieves, sinners, and church folk, that we might know peace. 
that we might know what it means to be near to you, God. That we might know what it means to love each other, God. And what it means to have forgiveness and to extend forgiveness to each other. And so, God, this Christmas season, instead of focusing on the gifts and the trappings of everything that society says we should do, help us to have the presence to remember that we are near you, that you dwell with us, that you have given us forgiveness for our sins, and that you have done all these things because you love us. Help us to begin to see the everyday miracles that happen in life, that every swallow that we take, there are people who can't swallow. They have to be fed through tubes because they can't swallow any longer. People who can't breathe on their own are hooked up to machines, God. Breathing is a miracle that you have provided us. Let us not take it lightly anymore. Let us not take the blinking of our eyes. The swallowing, the movement, the joint, the pain-free movement of our joints. And even when there is pain, at least, God, we can still move. We thank you. Even though we are struggling, we praise you even though we are sick. We give you honor even though we are suffering because you are our God. You said that all things work together for our good. And so, God, we know and believe and trust that it is all working for our good. So this day, Lord, as members of our church are not here, members that are sick, we remember them right now and ask that you would provide a healing to them, God. Align their bodies to function properly and move in the way that it was created. Bring peace to their minds. Those who are suffering and feeling like they just want to give up, God, encourage and strengthen them. That they may endure longer. That they will trust in you. That they realize your spirit is with them. And we pray for every member that is here this morning. That whatever is going on right now, whatever worry that they have, whatever is stressing them at this moment, we ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit take it away right now in Jesus' name, that they may experience your peace and peace everlasting. We thank you, God, for the presence of Mother Scott, who traveled all the way from New Jersey, that she made it safely and she was able to come into this place and worship with us today. We thank you because she is so dear to all of us. She is not our mother by blood, but she is our mother by faith. We love her, and we pray that she will enjoy her time here. And that when it is time for her to go home, that she will have all the traveling grace and peace to get back to New Jersey. Cold New Jersey. Instead of being here in southern, sunny Southern California with the rest of us. We ask all these things, Lord, in your son Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. The promise of Christmas.